And if anyone has a book in them, write it, really write it, get your voice out there. It's, it's really important. A lot of people, probably everyone has a story to tell and we can all learn from your story. You know, people's stories are just amazing, just amazing. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen, an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Hey everybody, this is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen, and as always, I'm delighted with today's guest to introduce herself. Trisha, please go ahead. Sure, thanks Maurice. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm uh, Patricia DeVecchio. I have a, a business called International Purpose. And in, in introducing myself, I'd like to say what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I've had this purpose for a long time. It is to transform the way we do work and business to a more humanistic, holistic, and balanced model. So it's a new paradigm of work. You know, it's work that comes from inside here, not from outside here. Mm -hmm. You know, most people will look at, okay, what's... uh, what jobs are good in the economy right now? And let me t- let me go to college and and uh, get that degree instead of looking in here and saying, what makes me tick? You know, what am I really passionate about? Hmm. What would I love to be doing? You know, what's missing in the world that I can fulfill? What is my unique composite of skills and talents that I can package into a service or a product? that meets a deeper need in the marketplace. So I am up to creating new work. Mm -hmm. And my vision is to create uh, what I call our purposeful business incubators in major regions of the world. Because as many of you know, you know, there are millions and millions and millions of youth, especially youth and women in the world without right livelihoods as the SDGs uh, talk about. Mm -hmm. There will never be enough jobs. In fact, I think the structure of job, employment, unemployment are outdated and they discriminate. And the reason they discriminate because everyone can't apply. There are a lot of people that aren't qualified for the jobs that are on the marketplace. So it prohibits people from gaining good work. And, and you know, I believe everyone has work to do. There shouldn't, there shouldn't be any unemployment. Hmm. We are all born with a purpose. And most people believe that, you know, Maurice, they believe they have a purpose, but they've never been taught how to take that purpose mm-hmm. and make it into anything. They usually aren't even clear on what their purpose is. Mm-hmm. But if you sit down with folks and you talk with them a little bit, you can you can begin to see 
or I can begin to see, I should say, what that purpose is. Can I ask you to unpack that a little bit about a purpose and take even one step uh, back? And two, I have two questions around this, Patricia. One is, um, you know, when did you start? Because you, you know, you started this conversation with, I would like to explain my purpose. Um, when did this start? When did you get that realization? Um, mm -hmm. Before you do, um, can you tell us a bit about, you know, uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? And how uh, do you think, you know, your experiences during your upbringing uh, then ultimately influenced, um, you know, where you are today? Right, right, Maurice. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, Aliquippa is the name of a uh, Indian princess. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little town outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, it used to be, when I grew up, a steel town. The main street of Aliquippa went right into the entrance to Jones and Lachlan Steel Company. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone in Aliquippa and the surrounding areas. Um, the steel companies grew up um, uh, in places that are called river towns. You know, Aliquippa was on the river. Across the street, there was Ambridge on the river. You know, that's where the steel mills uh, were developed, were built, uh, because they needed the rivers for transportation. Uh, so when I grew up, you know, Aliquippa, there was a lot of soot, <laughs> a lot of soot in the air. And I remember, you know, often uh, going outside and having to sweep the porch because of all of the soot in the air. Uh, say, to say a couple things about my parents, you know, that are gone now, but I'm very proud of my parents. Uh, they were born in Italy, uh, came over here when they were both about 12, you know, different mm. ways, different means. Uh, in both cases, their fathers had come and come into the U.S. and got work and got citizenship. And then they called for the rest of the family. Uh, so my mother and yeah, and and her mom and my father and his mother and brother, mm -hmm. you know, came over here and landed in that Eloquipa area, I think, mainly because of work. Um, Something else I'd like to say about my parents, because they were very, very resourceful. In fact, my dad built most of our house. That neither of them went beyond eighth grade, Maurice, or maybe mm -hmm. sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade. Because they were too busy learning the language and they had to work. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't have money. Um, and it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy at all for them. Uh, so when they got married, uh, moved to Aliquippa, uh, dad built the house, uh, you know, I sort of grew up in middle America. You know, I didn't feel any, any poverty, although I know my mom was pinching pennies all the time hmm. and she would never buy things for herself only in later years, you know, would she? Uh, and I remember once when the steel mill was on strike, we got to go down to uh, downtown Aliquippa and pick up these boxes 
of food. <laughs> and they had food in them that I've never, never, I had never had before. But for me, it was like a treat. It wasn't that mm -hmm. we were desperate, you know, which is really what it was, and we needed to get food. Um, so I went to Alacupa High School, no longer there, torn, torn down. Mm -hmm. And I went to the University of Pittsburgh to become a teacher. And I think it was in ninth grade, I decided to be a teacher. So I went to the University of Pittsburgh, loved that program, uh, then came down to the, uh, the... Sorry, did you have brothers and sisters? Oh, yeah. So let's rewind a bit. Yeah. I have a sister that's a little younger with okay. me, from yeah. me. And I have a brother that's older. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother was a real computer whiz. He designed hardware and software back in the day, mm. uh, made a lot of good money, lives in California now in this little house that uh, that's one. I shouldn't say little house. It's a pretty big house. He and his wife, Sally, they're both retired. Uh, my sister ended up getting a degree in psychology, uh, worked in some local recreation parks for a while. Uh, then uh, took some computer classes, worked at a uh, utility company for a while. Uh, she's retired and she lives in our family home. So I still go up there often mm -hmm. because to visit her and visit friends. I have this one friend I've had since third grade. So th that's, uh, that's fun. But Alcoba, you know, what happened in 1982 was when the spill mills started to go under. Mm. Uh, my dad was just retiring from the mill, uh, found out he had cancer, mm. as a lot of the men did. A lot of the men in the mills had cancer, got cancer, because of the asbestos. Um, luckily, he lived many years beyond that. You know, he was uh, 93 when he passed wow. away. Yeah. And my mom was 95. Uh, so I have good genes. Mm -hmm. I plan to be here a while. Uh, and I do think about that, you know, because I don't plan on quitting anytime soon. Uh, plan on passing it on to someone else because there's a lot of work to do in the world. A lot of work to do yeah. in the world. So then let us jump to when you start to be a teacher, right? Uh, how many years did you do that? Um, I always and did said, you already start thinking about the purpose? Because that's that's why where it all started, right? Our conversation, right? No, no, uh, no. Uh, originally, you know, I was a pretty traditional, traditionally minded mm. person. Yeah. Taught school for five years wasn't for me. <laughs> After three years, I knew it wasn't for me. You know, my mom would always say, Patricia, you know, you just got a degree in teaching and you're leaving. But yes, I was leaving. I was able to take a, uh, a leave of absence. Mm -hmm. And I got to go to England to study the English education system uh, and loved it. You know, I got the travel bug. Mm -hmm. I also got to go to Amsterdam. Uh, so while I was on sabbatical, I joined a group called Wider Opportunities for Women, mm. a career center. I loved helping other people with their careers. 
So I guess that's a bit of where it started. Mm -hmm. Because I was always intrigued, Maurice, by mm -hmm. why people did what they did. You know, why they chose certain jobs in their life. Um, but I needed to get I needed to get a job because that was volunteer work. Mm -hmm. And I started working for this company called PRC Realty Systems. They automated the uh, real estate market. They were advertising for teachers. So got that job, uh, was, a, was a systems analyst. I always shake my head when I think about it. Uh, did that, did another computer type job, uh, was able to get my master's then in human resource development from George Washington University. Okay. Yeah. Loved that program. Mm -hmm. Just loved, loved that program. And went off on my own. You know, I am one of those serial entrepreneurs. I've had a number of businesses. Uh, all, all sort of in, yes, all really in the realm of teaching, training, facilitating. Um, you know, I am a teacher at heart. It's just changed. Mm -hmm. a bit over the years is that what then also ultimately made you decide to write a book you know you wrote you wrote in 2010 or something or uh, when yeah, was, it was that published in 2010 yeah yeah uh so after i got my master's yeah uh, i uh i actually started working at the world bank and the imf okay helping them train to computers computer software skills software packages um, made a lot of money, uh, was very repetitious. By my late uh, 30s, I hit the wall, Maurice. I really hit the wall. Found myself very depressed, couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> and I always say it wasn't about moving because I had just moved or a new love life or, you know, another degree. Uh, so I started doing a lot of soul searching, hmm. a lot of soul searching. You know, I am a definitely a student of life, I call myself. So I went all over the place, you know, from different places in Europe and California and took workshop after another, one after another. And and what I was searching for was me. Because I knew I wasn't what I was before. And I had no idea where I was going. Uh, so I actually moved to Pittsburgh. I moved to Pittsburgh, back to Pittsburgh, mm. and actually heard a voice tell me to move back to Pittsburgh because I came to the belief that I was going to move. I'd tell people, oh, I'm moving. And they would say, oh, where are you moving to? And I would mm -hmm. say, I don't know. I don't know where I'm moving. So moved back to Pittsburgh, started a, a holistic health center mm. called the Life Work Center. And that's when this work and my purpose started to surface, mm. Marie. because I was in the middle of a, a lot of uh, holistic health modalities. I called it my hot pot. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was brewing is what I have now as my seven evolutionary tools mm -hmm. and my book that you referred to took a while. You know, I always say it took me seven years to move from corporate America to life in my purpose. I do believe, Maurice, mm -hmm. that we're always 
the next generation elite of our parents and our ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know, so my parents took a really, well, I don't think they had a choice of taking the risk to come here. You know, I think it was their family who took that risk to come here, but it was a huge risk, you know, to come here, not knowing anyone, you know, except my grandfathers on both sides, not speaking the language. Um, so yes, I am the next generation of my parents. You know, in fact, Maurice, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to read uh, the dedication uh, in the book because mm. it speaks to that. Sure. So it says, to my parents, whose life was a different adventure than mine, but an adventure still. You taught me to be my own person, and I'm sure you're so proud. Uh, they did. They taught me to be very independent. Uh, taught us, I think, as children to be very independent. Uh, to have my own mind and use my own mind. Uh, and that allowed me to do so. You know, I'm a pretty big risk taker. Um, I'm very committed to my vision. Uh, at first, when that vision came up, Maurice, I said, oh, no way, you know, no way am I going to create these purposeful business circle incubators in major regions of the world. But now I am. I, I believe it. You know, and ha- half of it is belief, right? I have to believe uh, what I say. And I have to tra- attract other people to believe what I believe. <laughs> you know, if you want partners in your life or clients and, you know, clients, they have to believe what you believe. So I have clients that are wonderful, wonderful clients because they believe what I believe. You know, they're socially responsible businesses changing the paradigm of how we do work uh, and have a big vision. And it's a challenge. It's it's a challenge, mm-hmm. but you know you would I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't know how to do it any other way. Why should people buy the book and and read it? Mm-hmm. And then the second question is: You talked about these incubate, you know, these business circle incubators. Um, so after reading the book, why should they join uh, an incubator? So, mm-hmm. so two questions. Why should they buy the book? And I, read it, right? Not only to have it on the it, shelf. Right. Don't just put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it is for a certain type of person, Maurice. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's for someone who's really looking for themselves. You know, who am I in the world? You know, what is my purpose? Uh, willing to go a different route to get there, you know, willing to take some chances. Uh, Know they have potential, but they don't know what to do with it, how to create anything from it. Uh, And with the PVCs, which are groups, they want to do that with other people. You know, PVCs? Uh, purposeful business circles. Okay. That's a model that I use. Mm-hmm. It's a community model of like-minded people 
and we work through the book, which is a workbook. Mm -hmm. uh, all these people have their own businesses, small businesses, usually sole proprietors. Uh, could can be longer, larger as well. Um, but going back to the book a minute um, and the work that I do, you know, I see my work as actually very spiritual, uh, very spiritual. Uh, so I take it very uh, seriously. I take it very seriously. Uh, this work is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's for someone who is willing to roll up their sleeves and stick with it and do it for a few years because it's not going to happen overnight. This process is an overtime process. It is not an overnight. So if you, I, I say in the book that if you want a quick, a quick fix, this book is not for you. It's not. If you want to be told, you know, if you want a test that says you'll be best at these skills, you know, find a job in that area. I mean, in high school, I was tested. I was told I should be a pharmacist or a forest ranger. <laughs> Why those two, I have no idea. But as you see, I'm not either. Uh, yeah, you know, the book will change your life. It has the potential to change your life. This is one that's been used quite often. <laughs> the listeners cannot see that, but I, I can, you know, right, uh, can get a sense of that. A little worn. Yeah. Um, and one reason is because you know this book was published in 2010, mm -hmm. and it's still very pertinent, Maurice. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, if you wouldn't mind, can I read a couple paragraphs? Do we have time yeah. for that? Yeah, no, you, yes. But I'd like to read a couple paragraphs from the very first page of the introduction. And the uh, title is called, The Times Couldn't Be Better. And there's a quote that says, everyone has talent. What is rare is, rare is the courage to follow the talent to the dark place where it leads. So here's the beginning of the book. It seems like a contradiction in terms. The times in many ways seem like the worst in a lifetime. We are experiencing unparalleled change on planet Earth. From global warming to financial upheaval to the breakdown of work and business as we know it. And of course, we'd throw in a war and, and throw in the pandemic. Our vulnerability, humanity, and sense of security are being tested. Who we are as a human race, along with the institutional structures and lifelong beliefs held so dear, are being redefined right before our eyes. No one is immune. At some level, we are all being affected. When hard times come as now, we tend to pull back and contract. We think hunkering down while still being committed to work as usual is the route to take. When in actuality, the opposite is true. Reinvention from the inside out is needed. An overhaul that results in a new enlightened model of work and business. And I'd throw in life. Given the world and the climate change right now, 
and what's happening in the world. We need, desperately need, new models of work. Desperately need. The traditional model is, uh, is, has to go by the wayside, certainly no longer command and control, you know, and we need to write new paradigms. We need to rewrite a lot of what's going out there now because the old isn't working. Can you, can you help the listeners and, and myself actually then to give examples of the new models of working and, um, yeah, and, and you know, are, are your clients then using those? Can you give maybe one example of, of you know, how you worked with a client and how it is different than uh, the business as usual? Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a client who lives in Maryland. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned I was in the D.C. area. Uh, she's originally from Ethiopia. She has a line of uh, makeup products. But Helen's goal, it, I mean, the makeup is sort of a front <laughs> for her business because her mission is really around creating more jobs for people in Africa and to help them be creative. You know, she's been creating work ever since she was a teenager. You know, she's created different kinds of work uh, in Ethiopia here and so she's now using makeup which is wonderful wonderful makeup um, lipstick mm -hmm. makeup yeah, <laughs> uh, as yeah as I say is a front to helping helping women especially feel good about themselves be empowered so that's it it's a different model it's a different model there's and to me, the model, I mean, it could look like anything, Maurice. The front could look like anything. But the background is one that's really about helping people. And helping people shift their mindset about how they see themselves and how they see their jobs. Everyone has a frame of reference from which they make decisions. Everyone. It's different for everyone. So I will, I will make the same kind of decisions over and over again unless my mindset and belief system is challenged. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a farmer in Senegal, I'm going to do the same thing over and over and over again because that's the mindset from which that farmer lives but if we can go in or if someone could go in and uh, interact with that farmer and talk to them about their beliefs and the results of their beliefs and are those results positive negative are they moving moving him forward probably not mm -hmm. And how do we begin to shift that, to shift his, her belief system? So it's more oriented to what I call is the future of choice. And actually, this is what I do with everyone. Uh, I have them look at what's the future of choice that you want 
And then how do you have to think and act today to enable that future? So you're moving from the present to the future and you're letting go of a lot of the past, except what's worthy. Mm -hmm. um, so I believe we need to address if we want, you know, if we if we want to if we want to look at how do we help raise up uh, people who are in poverty, uh, it all starts with mindset. All always always starts with mindset. When I'm when I'm listening to you, I'm also still listening to the people I talked with before you mm -hmm. um, and what I've heard would it be correct is if when, when I listen to you that you are you know, what your point is to um, to look at life and to look at uh, you know why we are here to um, to realize that everything is interconnected and that we should look at issues from a more holistic way um, and if so, if I'm correct, does the following resonate with you? Something that I've heard from a previous guest and said, you know, what we need to go towards is not this neoliberalism, but we have to go towards well-being economics. Um, and, uh, you know, if you think about uh, meeting human needs, it definitely needs to have a connection with ecological boundaries, um, so more balance. Is that what what uh, you know you're trying to get at? You know, through your book and working with uh, people, you know, based on purpose. Indirectly, I think, Maurice. Hmm. Indir indirectly. Um, and I do speak about you know what you're talking about. Um, I think we have the economy all backwards. We have our belief in money all backwards. We have been made to believe that uh, money is a, money, you know, denotes your value, right? <laughs> your job denotes your value. That um, you know, there are no lack of resources. Therefore, we can use anything we have. We've sold ourselves a bill of goods. That's false. And what that does, you know, it keeps the people on the top on the top and believing things that aren't really true, that really aren't really true. But you see, they're so, they're so steeped in their own conviction. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's true for many people. I mean, I can sometimes get on my, I call it high horse about what I do, and I don't always exhibit the humility that's needed. And I have to practice that. I have to practice that skill of humility. And what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to me? Uh, but we're rewriting things, Maurice. We have to. We have to rewrite uh, economics. Uh, we have to rewrite how institutions work because they were all created to control. All institutions were created to control. And way back a couple hundred years ago, maybe that was needed. It's not needed now. But who's moving? Who's budging? Mm -hmm. Not the people at the top, 
because they're not interested in uh, shifting power or giving up their salaries. Some are, you know, of course, of course, some are. And it doesn't mean that I don't like money. You know, money's great in in the right perspective. Hmm. No, th thanks. Thank you, Tricia, uh, for for uh, you know clarifying more about the book. And I, I really think it's you know people should check it out and and then you know decide for themselves if they will contact you or or not for further yep. uh, sessions. We'll make sure that we mention that in the podcast notes. Um, I would like to go to, with you to the next part of our conversation. As you, as you know, you know this podcast is a spin-off of a hundred mile walk that I've been doing uh, since 2012, and it's an attempt uh, from my side to raise awareness and funding around uh, on issues uh, like hunger, poverty, and injustice. Um, my question to you is: If you would be asked to walk 100 mile in in a week, or you know five to seven days, uh, for which cause would you do that, and why? Mm -hmm. I walked about 45 miles for breast cancer mm -hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. But thinking on that question, Maurice, I would walk and and uh, ask for you know funding uh, to create scholarships for the work that I do. It, the purposeful business circles. Mm -hmm. You know, those are meant to be global. They're meant to pull together the people from the East and the people from the West to come together and create a new model of work. Hmm. I believe that's what's needed. And these circles are already around uh, the world or only in, in the U.S.? Only in the U.S. Okay. I definitely would love to, you know, get them mm -hmm. out more. Yeah. And uh, working towards that, for sure. Uh and I don't know the exact way to do that. I don't know what that model is yeah. of how to get that information out. Well, um, if, if there is a listener out there that uh, has some ideas, then they, they should yeah, uh, contact please. you. Yeah. Tricia, when, when I walk, um, you know, in, in real life, so not like this in virtually, um, you know, it becomes a, a real spiritual experience, actually. You know, you think about why are we on earth and talk about religion and spirituality and what's going on with the younger generation. So I have a question that I always ask to my guests around that, and that is, what do you see happening among youth in your community uh, with regard to, you know, youth... Uh, religion spirituality is that different than when you grew up uh, is it similar um you know yeah can you mm -hmm. share some observations mm -hmm. uh, i believe in young people today you know i believe there are a lot of young people that have it right in a sense <laughs> and they're not buying into this old traditional you know same old same old story uh, and that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of hope. And at the same time, you know, there are a lot of people and a lot of uh, men, especially in these emerging markets that have lost hope. And I believe there's a way to bring that back, to bring back hope. Because that is key. Uh, 
and working with youth is key. But if I ask you, you know, in terms of how, uh, you know, youth relate to religion and spirituality, and especially in comparison with, you know, the older generation, uh, because some of my co-workers said, uh, you know, it's really different because, you know, they don't go to church anymore, especially in the West. Uh, others are saying, yes, that might be true, but that doesn't mean they are less spiritual. Um, you know, only the... It's, it might take another it has taken on another shape and and uh, you know they participate in a different way the communities are different so so yeah what what, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know yes to a lot of what you said hmm. uh you know i myself uh grew up in a certain church and i chose to change mm -hmm. a different church <laughs> and again my mother said you know, once you're born in a church, you die in a church. Well, that was not my my belief. <laughs> so I now belong to a church uh, in D.C. I love it. I love this church. It's like going to a workshop every Sunday. And, and we definitely have more older people in the uh, denomination than we have younger people. Why is that? Uh, good question. Good question. I think it falls into what you were saying, how the youth aren't necessarily going into churches. And but that doesn't mean they're not spiritual and they're not getting that spirituality, sense of spirit in other ways, because I think there are many ways that one can be spiritual. And I consider myself a very spiritual person, but I don't consider myself a highly religious one. But what I is the difference then, uh, Patricia? Because, uh, yeah. Um, or you. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is, you know, that uh, to me, if I was highly religious, uh, I probably would go to church every Sunday, uh, you know, tithe 10%, uh, contribute in certain kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. And believe in everything that is said in that church. I don't. I don't believe everything that churches say. Um, and I, that's okay for me. I can still be a member of the church I'm in. Now, I hesitated when I joined the church because I, I see myself as very non-denominational and believe in many re religions. You know, there are wonderful, wonderful religions in this world. Yeah, about religions. I understand how you define religion now. Um, but what, and, but you also said I'm much more, I'm not religious, but I'm much more spiritual. So tell us a bit about what does that then mean? I, I understand that, you know, your, your kind of description of how you consider, what you consider religion to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I consider spiritual to be is some of what we've talked about, Maurice, mm -hmm. you know, believing that we're all one, you know, that I'm here to serve and to serve other people. Doesn't mean I don't serve myself, but I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I have certain rituals that I follow. Like in the morning, I have a couple inspirational books I read from. 
Uh, I meditate, I journal, I write a letter to God. Uh, and that morning time is often the best time of the day for me, really. Because, you know, Maurice, I don't always wake up positive. I can wake up negative. And because of that, and because I want to hold a positive mindset throughout the day, I need to do certain things. So I have a morning ritual, I call it, where I do different things. Uh, one is I read from an inspirational book. Uh, I write a letter to God. Uh, and I'm off, often, uh, you know, enlisting God's help. Um, mm -hmm. And I know God always replies to me. Always, always. I mean, I have really have that faith and trust. Mm -hmm. And it may not be immediate. But the answer does come. As long as I ask, Maurice, mm -hmm. <laughs> the trick is I have to ask. Uh, and I often read from a book called The Story of Jabaz. I'm going to spell that, J-A-B-E-Z. Okay. Very popular book a number of years ago. And basically what it talks about is, uh, uh, starts out by saying that Jabaz, the word Jabaz means pain. Uh, and so he would pray a prayer to God, uh, asking him to enlarge his territory. Now, back then, you know, territory meant land. And when I think about enlarging my territory, I think about enlarging the work that I do, my purpose, the people that I'm able to uh, touch along the way. And I do, I do so much want to enlarge that territory. Uh, and what he also adds to that prayer is, but do not let me cause any pain. And that's very important because as human beings who aren't always as humble and mindful and conscious as they need to be or could be, uh, they can cause pain along the way if the ego gets in the way. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard Maurice, but ego means for edging God out, mm. uh, E-G-O. Okay. Uh, and I guess we need to have a little bit of ego, but not be led by ego. Uh, mm. To me, we need to be led by humility. Yeah, so I really start my day off in a beautiful kind of way. I mean, this morning I woke up tired. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's Friday. <laughs> That's often how I wake up. But I had a 7.15 meeting call mm -hmm. with a client of mine. Once I'm up and ready, I'm ready. You know, once I'm up and I do my morning ritual and, and have some uh, almond milk and oats and fruit and I'm, I'm ready and dressed and ready for the day. Mm. Yeah. But th thanks for, for sharing that. Uh, appreciate things that yeah, that's uh, will give a lot of comfort and and inspiration to our, our listeners. Um, you know, one of the of the things that I hope um, we will be able to contribute to with this podcast is to connect people and uh, um, you know, and and because I I really believe that showing different perspectives and um, you know might lead to people different folks talking with each other and conversation dialogue might mm -hmm. lead to more understanding and then ultimately you know 
uh, maybe a, a better world it might be naive but that's really mm -hmm. what i hope to contribute to mm -hmm. um and you know one of the questions that i've tried to incorporate is based on that and um through you know what we have done so far is connect you with the listeners and connect you with me what I'm now uh, going to do with the next question is to connect you with the previous guest because the previous oh. guest has a question for you. Mm -hmm. um, and before you do that, Marie, yeah. just mention one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about increasing understanding. Yeah. And it reminds me of, um, of um, what is his name? Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that mm -hmm. book. And yeah. habit number one. Is Franklin Covey, right? Yeah, Stephen Covey. So Stephen Covey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seek to understand before you're understood. Hmm. Seek to understand before you're understood. Yeah, I think the lack of understanding and the willingness to understand is causing a lot of problems in the world. Hmm. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's an it's, it's okay. interesting little book. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, always considered to be a management book, but I, I, I think it has been underestimated in in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, so thanks for for lifting that up. So the question of our previous guest for you is: if you weren't, if you could just sit for a while and think, imagine what it would be if you, if your basic needs were just always met as a default, your need for for food and shelter and high quality healthcare, all those things were not dependent on what you did on a daily basis. If that was the case, then what would you, how would you spend your time? I think that's worth pondering. Uh, not much different than I do now. But one thing, Maurice, that I would do more of are retreats. I love doing retreats. Participating uh, or leading them? Or... Leading retreats. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I call it heaven on earth. I really do love the environment of the retreat mm. and what can happen in that place away from your norm, you know, usually in some rustic area where there aren't any cell phones. And you are completely, you know, dedicated uh, to the work at hand. Mm. That in one, you know, short weekend, uh, transformation can happen. And I can see it. I see it in the participants, you know, how they change over time. And that's beautiful to be able to see that. Um, I also would do a lot more of what I'm doing, Maurice. I would, uh, I would have more partners uh, for the business and life in general. And I would be uh, traveling and speaking and uh, doing more of my purposeful business circles. And and going back to what you said, doing more retreats, um, working with more partners, would you still ask money for it? Because your basic needs are met. Uh, I would still charge something, Marie. Mm -hmm. And I would use that money for scholarships mm. for people that can't pay to let's say go to a retreat or not pay to do a purposeful business circle or pay to start their, you know, their business. Mm. Um, and there's a, there's a quote that goes, uh, people who pay, pay attention. 
And I think people need to pay a little bit. Yeah, doesn't have to be a lot, but there has to be something at stake for them, not just being there. Uh, um, yeah, they have to be mm. very, very, very committed to change and if, contribute some value to that. Now, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned this because I think a lot of, or a lot, I don't know, but there are definitely um you know traditional healers uh, religious leaders spiritual leaders out there that always say you know you pay what you think um yeah you know the, the service or the interaction or the right is, is worth and and so you decide so may, maybe that's what you're referring to mm -hmm. um, your question for the next guest Question is, what do you think is the most serious challenge we have on Earth right now? Well, I, I do think that we have many challenges. And I, I think as a world, um, you know, we kind of came together and came up with well, we need to ensure that our world is more sustainable. And in order to get there, we need to uh, address 17 sustainable development goals. Mm, right. I always ask a question about this. It's not perfect, this framework. Right. But I think it's the best we have. Mm -hmm. The first question is, what do you like uh, our listeners to know about the 17 mm -hmm. sustainable development goals? Question one. Mm -hmm. Second part is, um, a growing group of people around the world um, is saying that um, one of the reasons that we are not reaching those goals that we are behind is that we did not pay or we are not paying proper attention to the skills, knowledge, and ability that you need as an individual and as a community mm -hmm. to work on those systematic and uh, changes in processes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what are your thoughts? And, and as a result... Of this, they said, you know, therefore we identified five inner development goals, being, thinking, relating, collaborating, and action. Mm -hmm. So my second question to you is, what do you think about, what are your thoughts about the inner development goals? So it's two questions for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think people pay enough attention to things until it affects them. Uh, when it affects one directly, then they'll pay attention. Uh, I think that's a problem of, of climate change, although it is directly affecting many, many more people. But a couple of years ago or years ago, when they were started to talk about climate change, people didn't take it seriously because it wasn't affecting them at the moment. And I think some of that might be happening with the SDGs. Um, it's like it's not in their backyard, you know, Maurice, you know, I might be sitting here in Virginia right outside of D.C. and feel very touched by a lot that's happening in my world. Um, and I'm probably, you know, to be honest, a little more concerned than most because I've been in and I've worked in different different countries. So I'm more sensitive to what's happening in the world, especially in Afghanistan. 
having been there a couple times. But I think, you know, if I look at just uh, America, you know, middle America, um, it's like, you know, our mindset can get so um, insular, insular. And we don't then see the, you know, see the world as something we need to be caring about because we do need to be caring about. So what what would you like then to uh, the listeners to know about uh, SDGs? Is your advice for today, you know, go to the website and read it or you have any other advice? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, definitely go to the website and read it. Definitely. But do more than read it. You know, read it and then commit yourself to something. Uh, we need to have situations that call us to action that's something else that's not happening enough we talk we talk we talk but we don't always call people to action i don't okay. call myself to action and that's it. that's what we need okay i i like your advice so check out the website read it and get you know pick one and get into action what about your thoughts on the inner development goals mm -hmm. what I do you think, think well, um, since my work is very aligned with that, and you know, my book, uh, Evolutionary Work, has seven evolutionary to tools, which are all inner. <laughs> They're all inside of us. Uh, I always say some of them we have, many of them we don't. Uh, but I believe everything happens from within us. Uh, so I'm a total believer in the inner development goals. And we have not addressed those, you know, as I think we need to in the world. And they're often considered the soft skills, you know, when they're the hardest skills to learn. They're mm -hmm. hard skills. You know, if you think about, you know, I was looking at the website, um, relationship to self. <laughs> do you, you know, do you know yourself? Really, do you know mm -hmm. yourself? We're very complex critters. It takes a lot to really get to know ourselves. Yeah, talking about the inner and about the self, music is very important to me. So I always have a question about music as well. Yeah. Um, if I ask you to, you know, to name a song or a piece of music that best describes um, for a big part, what you are about, um, which song or piece of music would that be and why? Um, the song called Happy. Mm -hmm. I, could hear the, I could hear the tune in my head. Mm -hmm. Right. It just puts a smile on my face, even when I think about it. It puts yeah. a smile on my face. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but smile, you know, when you hear that song. Mm -hmm. You really can't help but smile. You know, I also love jazz, Maurice. Mm -hmm. And I love jazz, I believe, for the feeling it gives me. Yeah. It really touches me. Um, and I love to watch the musicians at play. Because in jazz, everyone gets a turn to shine. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone gets a chance to uh, play, play a piece. And there's actually a book out 
I think it's called The Art of Jazz. And I also like, I like swing dancing. So I like big band music. Mm -hmm. I don't generally like it, to be honest, but I like it when it's playing, you know, in order to dance, in order to swing dance. It's like, you you know, can't stand still. I can't stand still. And nor can I stand still when I'm listening to jazz. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people like sit still uh, when they're listening to such great music. Uh, Hard for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was when you were talking about jazz and leadership. I I, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but you have a uh, it's a couple. Um, they run a leadership uh, consultancy, and they use jazz as the as the main feature. Ah. Um, his name is Greg Thomas, and his wife is Jewel Kinch Thomas. Uh, the Jazz oh. Leadership Project. I, I oh. if you don't know about them, I would definitely you know. Um, yeah, look them up on the yeah, on the web. Uh, same is for the leadership, and I, I hope that they will be my guests uh, in in the future uh, podcast episode. Idea. Yeah, um, pa- Patricia, you know, um, I I have been asking lately some questions around um, the simple act of kindness, mm. and and you know. And, I think Steve Hartman of CBS has made some episodes around this, have done some uh, research. Um, I would like to ask you, if, if, if I ask you now right on the spot to come up with one simple act of kindness this week, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a church across the street from mm-hmm. where I live murray's yeah and uh, they actually uh have bells so they ring bells on the hour you know which is really nice to hear but they also have a a box in front of the church uh like a bird box you know that's often used for library books you see those all over the place now well they use this one for food so people could put food there so anyone that needs it can then take the food doesn't matter if you need it you take it and I was just thinking about that the other day because I have some food that I haven't been using and uh, I don't want it to go bad and so I'm just going to walk across the street you know put it all in a plastic bag and walk across the street and put it there but but another thing I want to mention Maurice you know we never get the appreciation that we need and that we want and we deserve as human beings. We never, never get enough appreciation. So I always appreciate everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are, I say something to them that makes them know that I care and I'm there and and you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get so lost in the muddle of our world uh and it doesn't take but a couple minutes you know and sometimes people will ask me why are you know why did you say hello to that person or why are you talking to them and I said why not you know just another human being mm-hmm. you know they need appreciation like I need appreciation so I think that's important and that's something I'd like to tell the the viewers yeah. appreciate wonderful everything. yeah Yeah, you know, these 
these conversations always go fast. We're almost at the end. Do you have any message, question, or invitation uh, for the listeners? Yeah. Um, don't sit on your hands. We can't mm -hmm. afford to sit still right now. Uh, I was writing an email to someone, and I'm finding that my emails are becoming more forceful, <laughs> you know, where I'll say, we can't sit on our hands. You know, we can't still sit in that business as usual, industrial revolution model. We can't afford that. Can't afford it. Uh, either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem, right? I mean, it's true. One or the other. Can you be both? Can you be both? Sure. Sure, you can be both. I choose to be part of the solution and solution-oriented because I think that's another part of it is that some people are very problem-oriented and they look at everything from the problem, you know, the negative, instead of from the solution and the positive. Uh, you'll get a lot further if you're solution-oriented. And if you and you'll be a lot happier because you're going to be coming up with answers instead of making everything a problem. Everything is not a problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I'm I'm asking you because I feel that I, you know, sometimes I'm part of the problem and sometimes part of the solution. So you know, mm -hmm. even in my best efforts, there are things that uh, I definitely am part of the problem in terms of contributing. Mm -hmm. um, sure. So. And and but I've I've met actually and also within my podcast I've interviewed people where I think like oh wow you know yeah uh, yeah definitely example of of um, how it should be and um, mm. I'm not always there so that's why I, I ask you the question so. I don't think anyone is Maurice mm. and I don't think we should be hard on ourselves about it we aren't always at our prime or always on purpose or you know, because we're human as well. And that humanity in us needs to be, uh, yeah, addressed, needs to be cared for. Mm -hmm. on, on that note, I would like to thank you for today's conversation. Your willingness to talk with me, to share your story, your experience, make sure that people, you know, can find your book. Um, is there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't? Um, hmm. Well, what came to me was just something that, um, like how the, my book was written. I don't know if I mentioned that, Maurice. Hmm. But, um, you know, it took me seven years to write this book, to get it to the place of being published, I should say. This was the third version of the book. I was committed to writing it. Uh, and so I got, you know, an accountability publisher that helped me stay on track. And then I had to. Um, and if anyone has a book in them, write it. Really write it. Get your voice out there. It's, it's really important. A lot of people, probably everyone, has a story to tell. And we can all learn from your story. You know, people's stories are just amazing. Just amazing. And so get your story out there. I don't know if that's a, a, another question to ask me, but <laughs> no, maybe I, I, I need to move to my second book. 
<laughs> and we will be looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Patricia, and and uh, all the best with what you do. Thanks for what you do. And um, yeah, until we meet again. Thanks, Maurice. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.